Well, I remember uh, way back in the day, actually, I, I don't remember this, but my dad, he owned a 1966 Plymouth Fury, and I think I have a picture of it there. It was something like that. Now, uh, yeah, so he owned that for quite a few years, and I remember riding in that car a lot. Uh, and if you remember back in the day, maybe for those of you who are, who are maybe my age or, or even a little older, there's another, there's going to be another photo there. Those are the car seats they had back in the day. Aren't those things crazy? And I, and I don't fully remember, I, I have just kind of just scattered memories of, of that. I don't know if it was the height chair, the car seat, I don't know, but I remember things like that. Can, can you believe it? Look at that little plastic strap that was there. Well, it just went away. The little plastic strap, that was the thing that was going to keep you from going through the windshield, right, as, as a little kid. I, I don't know. Those things, that's some quite uh, a device right there. I don't know what that is. But today... Something that really permeates our society is safety, right? We're obsessed as a culture with safety. One of the safety things we always talk about is helmets. And here's all the helmets here, right here. You got the fire helmet, you got the NFL, and the NFL has been really big the last couple of years on concussions, right? And you have a uh, motorcycle helmet, like I made mention to earlier. There's down ski helmets, there's bike helmets, there's all kinds of safety helmets, hard hats if you're out on the job. I, that's what I wear. I wear a hard hat when I'm out on the job sometimes. So why is that? Why is there all of this concern about safety and about helmets? Well, the answer is, is simple, really. It's because the brain is the control center of the whole body, right? And it took us a lot of years to really figure that out as a society because like I made mention earlier, I used to ride a bike all the time without a helmet. I mean, they used to play hockey, the NHL, without helmets. For those of you that might remember that back in the day and in the 80s, that kind of changed because there was so many people getting hurt. There's so many brain and head injuries and stuff like that that they made the NHL go to wearing helmets and then also face shields as well. But the brain must be protected at all times. I mean, that's a good life lesson. Our brains should be protected at all times. Now, I, I have not been in, a, in an accident, but I, you know, I've heard, and, and there have been friends that have been in tragic accidents with motorcycles, uh, horseback riding accidents, even downhill accidents that I've known or read in the paper about tragic accidents, about people uh, either not wearing a helmet or, or not wearing the proper helmet. So what if something terrible happened to your brain? That's the question I want to start us off with. What if something terrible happened to your brain? And when we start talking about the helmet and the brain, then obviously we're talking about the armor of God. So if we want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, I'm reading out of the ESV. It simply says this, and take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. That's what Paul says. Now, the helmet is a really, really critical and important piece of armor because uh, we talked about earlier that the brain is the control center of the body. And Paul talks about having that protection for your brain or for your head. And it's your helmet. And he, he says that the helmet is salvation. So that's kind of interesting how he talks about the helmet being salvation. 
Now, we've showed uh, this video and different parts of this video, but roll that video. There's the, the Roman armor that we've been seeing over the last few weeks, and we've showed this guy uh, strapping up the breastplate and the belt. Now he's putting on the Roman helmet. It protects all the parts of the head, and it was, looks well-constructed there to, there to be in a hand-to-hand combat. And uh, in ancient times, they knew that this was critical too. Because if you were attacked to the head, that would be a fatal blow. If you're out hand-to-hand combat and you're on the battlefield and your head's not protected and you had a fatal blow to your head, that would, that would be it. That would take you out. So the Romans knew the critical part of that armor was the helmet. And it was well-constructed, like I said. So why would Paul say salvation is the helmet? Well, there's two reasons why Paul would refer to the helmet as salvation. The first thing is if we read in Isaiah 59, 17, we learn that God wears the helmet of salvation. He also wears a breastplate. We talked about that several weeks ago, but God wears the helmet of salvation. So if God wears it, why wouldn't I? And if I put on a bike helmet to protect my head from branches and stuff like that that I might come in contact with, it just makes sense to protect my brain or protect my head as I go riding my bicycle. And the same is true if I don't wear my helmet, the helmet of salvation. I'm going to be vulnerable to the enemy's attacks to my brain. I'm going to be vulnerable to the enemy's attacks to my brain. And now the next question is, well, then how does he attack my brain, right? He attacks me with many different things, but the one thing I want to focus on today is he attacks me with hopelessness. The enemy tries to attack each one of us with hopelessness, which is why in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, we read that the helmet is the hope of salvation. The helmet is the hope of salvation. So the second reason why Paul talks about this is salvation gives me and it gives you, it gives us hope. Salvation gives us hope. Now I talked about the helmet of salvation being that critical part and and really all of the pieces are critical, but, but this one especially so because like I said, it protects us And it helps us battle this hopelessness that can come into our lives from time to time. So a question I have for each one of us today is, what do you do when you absolutely feel hopelessness in your life? What do we do? How do we process that? Maybe you're in that situation right now. Maybe you're currently in a situation to where you feel hopeless in your life. In circumstances like those where we feel completely hopeless, we tend to stay focused on the here and the now. What's going on right now in my current situation? And then many times we give in to that hopelessness. But what I want to tell you today is I will give you the reason why we can find hope and salvation. And that leads us right to the big idea. 
and this is in your notes, I can hope because Jesus is saving me. I can hope in my life because Jesus is saving me. In John chapter 5, Jesus comes across a man sitting at a pool. And I want to read just part of that story for you. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading out of the NLT. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Wow, that's a long time. I can imagine he probably had a little bit of this hopelessness going on in his, in his brain that we've been talking about. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Or a more literal translation of Jesus' question is this, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? is what Jesus is asking this man. Now, I can imagine that this man was broken. I mean, I don't know for sure. It doesn't give us a lot of insight into his psyche. But let's just stay here just for a second and think about that for being ill for that length of time and try to put ourselves in his shoes. Now, I don't know for sure what he was thinking, but there was probably a lot of hopelessness going on in his life. And maybe you can relate to that type of hopelessness in this man's life, even though that you're not lame, maybe you're broken too. And this man was broken. He was lame. But maybe for you, your career might be broken. Or maybe your finances are broken. Or maybe your love life is broken. Or your marriage quite possibly could be broken. Or your health is broken, or maybe just your spirit is broken. Now, I've talked to people in the medical community, and, and when they're counseling with people and they're talking with people that, that are having uh, struggles with anxiety, with bipolar, with depression, they refer to it as their, their brain is broken. Well, well, maybe that's you today. Maybe you fall into that category. Maybe, maybe your brain is just broken today. But Jesus asks, just like he asked that man, he asks each one of us today, do you want to be made whole? Well, let's keep reading it and see how this kind of unfolds here and what the man says. In verse 7, the man says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So here's this man And you can kind of hear the hopelessness in his voice as he says those things to Jesus. But Jesus asks if he wants to be made whole, and he feels hopeless, and he doesn't really answer the question directly. If you notice, he can't even say, yes, I I want to be made whole. He evidently was so broken that he couldn't even muster up that kind of an answer, and he started kind of making excuses or coming up with different reasons, and he just said that, I can't. I can't be made whole. And maybe you've been there. 
before. And that's maybe the hopelessness that is resonating with you today. Maybe you've been in that same situation and, and Jesus asks you, do you want to be made whole? And you're like, I, I can't. Because of whatever is going on in your life. You can't, you can't even say yes. There's hopelessness because of that job like I talked about or your finances or your health. We get to those places in our lives. But look at what Jesus says to the hopeless man. The very next verse, verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. That's amazing. Think about how different this life, this man's life can be now. Now, we don't know a whole lot about what happened. There are some uh, verses that follow on where Jesus has another encounter with him. But what I want to focus on is, is at this point in time, this man can make a lot of choices and his life can be completely different. No longer is he bound to be by that pool day after day after day. Now, he's healed. He's no longer lame. He can go on and be a productive member of society. He can make relationships again with his family and friends. I mean, I don't know. Like we said, we're kind of speculating here a little bit, but we don't know. But his life right now can be completely different. And, and I can really identify with that man. Now, I've never been lame, but I can identify with this man on a spiritual basis Because before I met Jesus, I had hopelessness in my life too. I understand what it, what it means to be hopeless in life. But then once Jesus came into my life and made all things new and changed me from the inside out, then, then that all changed. After I realized, first of all, that I needed Jesus as my Savior, and then I, I acknowledged that I was a sinner, sinner and that I needed forgiveness, then Jesus gave me a different future. And now I I have hope at that point in time. Just like this man now has a hope for a future that can be different from what it was just moments ago before Jesus had this encounter with him. Which leads me to the next point of our notes is that Jesus is in the business of saving hopeless people. Jesus is in the business of saving hopeless people. He saved you and he saved me. We were all hopeless at one point in time in our lives. You can hope because Jesus is saving you. Now, I want all of us to say that. Say that. Say, I can hope because Jesus is saving me. One more time. I can hope because Jesus is saving me. So what does that mean? What what does it mean that Jesus is saving me. How? How is Jesus saving me? Well, when I think about that, there's three things that come to mind. The first thing is Jesus saves me from my past. He takes my sins away, and I pray this a lot, as far as the east is from the west. That means those sins are gone. There was a song years ago, Oceans Deep that my sins are at the bottom of the ocean. You can't even see them. The deepest ocean, that's where my sins are. I can't even see them anymore. 
as far as the east is from, from the west. Jesus saved me from my past. And I said that prayer some 23 years ago now. Maybe for you, it's going to be in the future in about 10 minutes. But Jesus saves us from our past. And that gives us hope. We put on the helmet of salvation. Now, number two is that Jesus saves us in the present. He's saving me from the enemy's attack in my life. And that's part of what all this armor is all about that we're talking about for probably about two months once this series is finished up. We're talking about this armor that we're wearing and that we need to wear each and every day. Jesus is saving me in the present. Now, there's a big, long word called sanctification. So if you've been around church any length of time, you might be familiar with that. But if you're not, it's a big, long word. And to boil it down in simple terms, it just means to be set apart for a special use. That's it. There's other nuances in that word, but if we want to boil it down, to be set apart for special use. Jesus sets us apart for special use. Well, what does that mean in my life? Well, that means that I am being sanctified in the present. I walk out this thing called salvation day to day with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me and me listening to the Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus is saving me in the present. Now, when I first came to know who Jesus was and asked him to save me, the outer things went away really quick. I stopped partying. I stopped smoking. I stopped cussing. Those, those were the things that first fell away for, for myself and for Gene. And then walk with Jesus for a period of time, and he continues to sanctify me. Then there was a period of time to where it was an internal thing with my attitude and, and maybe how I treated others, and I needed to be more kind or not gossip or, or whatever. You know, it's a purifying, it's a refining process that goes on in our lives as we walk with Jesus And he starts and continues to sanctify us and refine us. And now I'm to the point after 23 years that I just desperately need Jesus every day in my life. I've come finally to that point to where I need him every day in my life because he is the one that gives me strength and he's the one that's working in me and working through me to sanctify me, to refine me, to make me more like him. That's the purpose of our lives is to continue to be refined and be more like Jesus through staying connected with the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Well, that's the present. So Jesus is saving me from my past. He saves me in the present and Jesus also saves me in the future. And that's some really great news about the future saving because we're going to spend an eternity with Jesus. And that's an exciting thing right now. He will save me for eternity. I will be saved from God's wrath upon this world because of this relationship that I have, this gift that God gave me in sending Jesus to die for my sins. I will be made whole at the end of time, whenever that is, whenever Jesus comes back, whenever all this these things take place that are called out in the book of Revelation, I will be made whole. So Jesus is saving me 
in the past, in the present, and in the future. And there's more verses about Jesus saving us for the future. First uh, Thessalonians 5.9 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We obtain salvation through Jesus, and we're not designed for wrath. Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says this, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be there with them, or will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That is a great, hopeful verse right there, is it not? He is making everything new for us. Jesus said that he goes and prepares a place for us. That's what Jesus said. I can hope because Jesus is saving me, past, present, and future. Now, you're probably wondering why there's a rope going down the stairs, right? Yeah, yeah every, I know. As some people asked me, and I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. It's, it's for an illustration. So here, here is this rope. I got a lot of it, too. I wasn't quite sure how much to get, so I just got a lot. I should have measured it. All right, but here we have this rope. Oh, it's really interesting, Bob. You have red tape and black tape on the end of the rope. What's up with that? Well, I'm about ready to tell you. You guys are quick. This rope... Well, the red portion of this rope, this is our life. If you're on a timeline, okay? This is your life. This white part is eternity. And really, this doesn't do it justice. This is 200 feet, and I got a bunch coiled up there, and it goes all the way up out onto the stair. But it could wrap around the earth a billion, gazillion, jillion, infinite times. That's eternity. And the black represents your encounter with Jesus. So this part was before I knew Jesus. This was my encounter with Jesus. And now this is my life with Jesus. And then this is eternity with Jesus and with everybody else that loves God. We focus so much on this little part right here. On the now. And that's what I'm talking about. We, we get so wrapped up in the things that the enemy is trying to trick us with in our lives. And we focus so much on the here and the now. When we, we have hope, like I just said, we have hope from the past because our past is as far away from us as the east is from the west. And we have hope in the present now as we're working towards this in our lives. But we have hope for the future. Look at, look at how long that rope is. And it goes all the way up. And we focus so much on this. I guess what I'm wanting, I guess what I want to say is that we need to start focusing on this and not living here because you know what? We're not here yet, right? But this is eternity and this is going to be awesome and great. And we have hope because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. And we have hope because of the gift that God has sent in his son for us. So what we need to do is is find hope in this area. And this is the hope of the salvation that we're living in right now in our present. Look at all that hope we have in the future. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to tell us right now. 
Jesus is saving me from the old red part and now the current red part, but he's saving me for the white part as well. And that should give each one of us reason, regardless of what the circumstances is in your life. And they're probably pretty difficult. I'm not going to say that life is easy. I'm not going to say the circumstance that you're walking through, I even have any experience with. I probably don't. But I've walked through some things in my life too. But Jesus gives me hope. He gives me hope in the present, knowing that he is refining me as I listen to the Spirit working in my life. And he gives me hope for that future, that future hope. I hope because Jesus is saving me. I hope because Jesus is saving me. So let's talk about the how as we transition into the end of our time here together this morning. How do I internalize this? How do I put on this helmet of salvation that we're talking about? Well, how do I use salvation to protect my brain from hopelessness? A lot of times it's as easy as picking up the Bible that Gene was picking up as the enemy was trying to speak those things into her life as she was reading about truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and all those things. The enemy does the exact same thing to us. You could put yourself in that little skit. But what Jean found out is that through reading those verses gave her strength. She extinguished the fiery darts with her shield. She used the sword, which we're going to be talking about here, to combat what the enemy was trying to do in her life, trying to bring in hopelessness, trying to bring in discouragement into her spirit, but she she didn't have any of it. She fought back. And part of that is understanding the helmet of salvation that we wear and that Jesus is refining us now in the present and saving us for the future. And it's a brain thing. Remember we talked about the, the nerve center or the, or the control center of the body is the brain? That's a lot of times how the enemy tries to get to us is through our, through our brains. Lies. The enemy is, is the father of lies. We've talked about that before too. Well, in your notes is, is a few Bible verses that will help you when the enemy tries to attack your brain. The first one is Romans 12 too, and I don't have these up on the screen, but I'll just read them for you. They're, they're in your notes. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God will renew our minds daily as we spend time with him and spend time in the Bible. He renews our minds. That's just an awesome concept to me. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Or take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We can do that. I don't know if you experience this in your life, but I'll have some weird thoughts once in a while jump into my brain. I'll be like, what? what? Where'd that come from? And I'll say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, renew my mind. I'll just say a quick prayer and then that thought is gone. That's what we need to do. We need to 
be practical and do those kind of things in our lives, not dwell on this thought or make it a part of who we are or, or even want this thought, whatever it is. It might be different for you. We take every thought captive and we pray for Jesus to renew our minds. Philippians 4.8 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It says, fix your thoughts. You know, if I have a broken vehicle, it just doesn't fix itself. I either have to fix it or take it to a mechanic to fix it. It just doesn't happen. Once again, it's something that we do. We fix our thoughts. We choose to change our thoughts and fix them on these things that Philippians talks about. And the last one I have for you is, is Psalm thirty four eighteen. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Saves those that are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted this morning? Are, are you crushed in spirit? Well, if you are, Jesus came to save you. He came to save you each one of us. But we read here that life sometimes crushes us. Life sometimes makes us or brings us to the point of being brokenhearted, being hopeless. And at that point in time, Jesus wants to come in and he wants to save us. He wants to refine us. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole again. That's what Jesus is in the business of doing is making us whole again. So if you're sitting here today, and maybe you're sitting here today, and because you live in America, and it's supposedly a Christian nation, you think that you're saved. Well, maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're sitting there in a car seat with a little plastic strap. We need to really evaluate that in our lives. Jesus came to save us from our past, save us in the present, and save us for the future. Let's bow together and pray. Father God, I thank you so much. Man, first of all, for having this plan all figured out. You knew what was going to happen, and you sent Jesus to help us through this sin problem that we have. I thank you so much that you sent him. And Jesus, we we pray this, I pray this a lot. I just thank you for your sacrifice and for just allowing yourself to be the sacrifice for me, for taking my place, for dying that criminal's death on a cross and, and then being raised on that third day. Conquering death is what you did. Thank you so much for that. And so as we're bowed in his presence, I'm not sure where you're at today. But this first call is for those of you maybe that have never said that prayer of salvation is what we call it. You've never acknowledged that you're a sinner, that you need a savior. So if that's you right now, uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Like I made mention moments ago that this, uh, this is your future time to consider this. And so if that's you here today as we are bowed in his presence, our eyes are closed, I'm 
I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I just want to agree with you in prayer. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. There's a couple couple here with us today that want to say that prayer. Maybe for you it's a recommitment. Maybe you walked with Jesus for for quite a while and you just need to recommit your life right now to him. Life circumstances have made you hopeless in your life. You've gone down a road you never thought you'd go down. But now you stand here confronted with your choices and and you want a clean slate. You want to rededicate, recommit your life to to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, there's a couple, several of us here today that have raised our hands. So as we're bowed once again, I'm just going to say this out and everybody just repeat this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for taking the place on the cross for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner. I need your help. Take my sins away from me. Make me new from the inside out. I commit my life to you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those that have said that prayer. Now, if you said that prayer, just fill that out in your Connect card. We want to remember you in prayer as we go throughout the week. That's a great, a great step of faith right there. Jesus has now saved you from your past. And remember, he is saving you. He's refining you. It took me a few weeks to... to transition after I said that prayer. I had to quit smoking. I had to quit partying. I had to quit cussing. And there's some things there that, and that's, those are just the easy ones that we think of because they're the ones that are, are, are out there the most. And those were the easy things for, for Jesus to change in me. But it's a refining process. It's a refining process. But I want to pray one more time. So I'm going to go back into an attitude of prayer for each one of us. Let's bow one more time. And I just want to pray this prayer over, over each one of us. And I pray this over myself too. Father God, I thank you for this message on the helmet of salvation. Sometimes uh, we get so busy in our lives and, and just different things seem to, to get us all riled up and, and we get discouraged. And, and sometimes we feel hopeless and, and sometimes that's just a natural feeling. And maybe it doesn't last very long, but it, it just comes into our lives different times. God, I pray that for each one of us that we would think about this helmet of salvation and how it gives us hope here in the present and also for the future. God, you have some amazing things planned for us that, that we cannot even fathom. We cannot conceive what eternity is going to be like but yet you are preparing a place for each one of us. So I pray over each one of us, God, that you would 
remind us that when we need to be reminded of that. That this life is just temporary. This life isn't all there is. It's important to do this life well because we only have one shot at it. But it's not it. We have an eternity with you, God. And so there is always hope for the future. Always hope for the future. So give us that hope in our daily lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He gives us that hope.